Hello and welcome back to Take 97, a film podcast with me, your host, David Ingram. Uh, as you can tell by the title of this episode, we are getting very, very festive with this edition of the podcast. It is the long-awaited Take 97 Christmas special, and I shall be talking, I have a co-host with me today. I decided to invite one of my fellow guests uh, from the previous episodes of the podcast, one of my I, I liked all my guests, but this one, I think we had a great time on his episode. I mean, and I'm your favorite, right, David? You could just say it. I'm your favorite. Yeah, you are. You are. Uh, you know, and it's just, I, I, it's hard to really get myself out of that one there. As you just heard, <laughs> it is the wonderful Govind or Gov Chandran. How are you doing, Gov? I'm good. Thanks. You're on a wonderful Christmas sea atmosphere. Oh yes, I mean, there's nothing more Christmassy than than doing a podcast about Christmas stuff, especially film stuff. But you know, we'll see how this goes. It could go all wrong. It could go completely right. Who knows? Um, but so, obviously, guys, to introduce you to the setup for this episode, um, I've got Gov with me here today, so he'll be pitching in with some stuff uh, about his favorite Christmas films, uh, my favorite Christmas films, talking about all the things we love about Christmas movies, everything in between, uh, and also we've got some special messages from various other guests that aren't actually here with us properly but they'll be here with us in spirit through the form of uh, a pre-recorded message which they've sent in specially for the podcast so we'll be getting a few of those throughout the podcast uh, and first of all before we continue I'd like to introduce the first message of the podcast and it's a great friend of both mine and Gov's uh, it's uh, what, what what more can you say about the big man himself John Scherzang <laughs> I'll, I'll let him take it away on his little message here so here's John's message for all of you guys out there Hi it's John Scherzang here and I'd like to wish you all the listeners of Take 97 a wonderful Christmas I know it's not going to be the same as all the ones in the past, but it's certainly going to be one to remember. So stay safe, have a great holiday, and see you in the new year. Oh, what a guy. Such a nice guy. A uh, guy. <laughs> honestly. I mean, it, how long have you known John now, Gov? I've known John for about t- ooh, 11 years or so now. Yeah. Oh. Such a such a long time to know someone. He he is a legend, really. I mean, as as you might know from our episode, anyone who listened to the episode with John, my little in conversation with John, it was just a great time. Uh, you know, he's such a chilled, laid back guy, and he's got great sage advice to give. Honestly, best guy to talk to, um, other than yourself, of course. I, was gonna say, <laughs> I think John and I have a little competition going. Who's going to get more more views on your podcast? So ah uh, yes, I, I know my episode, not John's. Yeah, last time I checked, I think you were like, you were neck and neck at one point. But I, I mean, after this, people are going to hammer those episodes and try and make you compete with each other more. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Um, but anyway, back to the main point of this podcast, because this is going out. This is the week before Christmas. So I, I you know, how are you feeling about Christmas this year? Obviously, it's going to be a bit of a weird one. What are you, what are your feelings? <laughs> I, I, I think I'm the king of strange Christmases. I grew up in Malaysia, so Christmas was, you know... F- 38 degree weather oh honestly i mean i mean on some people's level that would probably be living the dream me personally it sounds very weird but i like i'm (laughs) i'm too used to the cold i'm I'm just too used to it i i I have to be yeah sorry go on i think the strange thing is even though you're there and it's it's warm it's warm outside there's still that very coziness that comes with christmas you know that that feeling no matter where in the world you are really that comes with it uh, and you get some unique ones like in japan for instance christmas mm. is a kfc holiday as in most people go out and eat kfc it, it's a big thing and they've marketed it for it because it wasn't a part of the culture before so and you know we've got we've got the coca-cola adverts and stuff like that yeah. so there but there's something about the spirit of this time of year and it, it could also be that it's the end of the year but you know there's something about that kind of coziness that i love yeah Oh yeah, no, I absolutely, I, I couldn't agree more. To be honest, like the general definition of Christmas for me, if someone was like, "Oh, could you sum it up in one word?" I think cozy would definitely be the word for it. So I and I feel that the recommendations and the films we're going to talk about today definitely encompass that lovely cozy feel. Uh, some more hilarious than others, and some more heartwarming than the others. But we'll we'll see about that how we get on with it. 
Um, I'm going to let you sort of take the reins now of this part of the podcast now. So part one of our podcast, guys, uh, is Gov's favorite Christmas movie uh, or film, whichever <laughs> terminology you want to use, American or not. <laughs> and I'll just let you take it away. So um, I'll give you a brief introduction, guys. So this is a romantic comedy. And it's got several storylines intertwined. Some of you may be guessing what it is right now. And there's a lovely ripoff of Wet, Wet, Wets. Uh, love is all around. Uh, and that is all I'm going to leave you with. I'm going to let Gov Just tell you more about it. Subtle clues there, David. Um, <laughs> I think so. I, I have a Christmas tradition of three movies. And this is very much one of those films. And the other two are Die Hard because... As everyone knows, it is a Christmas film. Let's not argue that. Um, and for some strange reason, I, I myself don't know why, I watch Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves with Kevin Costner every Christmas. Mm. But the film that I love that has that Christmas spirit for me and that sense of, of love is Love Actually. Um, it's I'm probably not the person you look at and go, that man is a Love Actually fan. I'm um, not gonna lie. I when you said this to me, I was like, right, come up with your favorite Christmas film. Like what? Like you can come up with a top three, but like come up with one that you can talk about. Yeah. And you said Love Actually, and I was like, really? You having me on? Are you yeah. joking? No, most people think I'm joking, and most people think it would be Die Hard, but no. I mean, it's Love Actually because it's that. For me, there's the opening and the ending of it, which is people at the airport, you know, greeting mm. their loved ones coming back that's just so the spirit of Christmas and there's something just great about the narrative structure of it as well that sense of interconnectivity so most of the characters in the film don't necessarily meet each other directly but their lives are intertwined and I think that's something fantastic about about humanity as a whole but at Christmas it's something to celebrate as well that actually i mean like you and i have worked together on things we've you know got a lot of people in common and all of that but come december we kind of have our own plot lines for a little bit but you know at mm. times it's going to intersect back in yeah and, and i absolutely love that about it and you know going back to what we were saying about feeling cozy it love actually for me is like this big warm blanket just kind mm. of wrapped around you and someone going you know what love really is all around Oh, that's such a lovely. I'm not gonna lie. This is I. I if that was on a bucket list of any kind of mine, which I haven't written yet, that would be on my bucket list to hear you say something along the lines of that. It's ticked off already. Because <laughs> honestly, I, I, I'm gonna be honest there, David. I thought you were gonna say for me to wrap a blanket around you. So I'm glad we went a different direction. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm glad we went that direction, the, the other direction as well. But uh, no, honestly, it's I can't agree with you any more really because like, i love so many different as we will discover over the next so many minutes uh, many many minutes of this i love so many different christmas films i have such a range like i like all the classic ones that people say oh you should always love it because it's yeah. a classic christmas film but at the same time it's like you know i do have my favorite which we'll get to in a moment but oh, like yeah. i mean there's so there's, many there's, great ones. there's so many but i love and and it's not just the positives you know even if you watch the film there's some very raw and emotional scenes there uh emma tom uh thompson yeah yes yeah. yeah has um and some really really great scenes there's the kind of iconic and kind of meme to death scene with Kara knightley and the um the flash cards and, and things like that so it's not all you know sunshines and rainbows in that sense but at the same time you still feel that people are in it for love and people just kind of want to be together at that time of year. And it's funny. I, I, I mean, Bill Nye is just hilarious in it. And if anyone is going to mock Anton Deck, I'm going to be there and I'm going to watch it. Oh, hundred percent. Honestly, if I was to, I'm glad you mentioned the Anton Deck scene. Cause uh, so yeah, guys, if you haven't watched these films, this is literally spoiler territory. We, we do not care how much we spoil these. If you haven't watched them, I suggest you pause the podcast now, watch it and then come back because you need the context but yeah genuinely the ant and deck scene because <laughs> i've grown yeah. up obviously i'm not grown up with ant and deck in the sense that like i know that they did something called smtv or whatever it was um i did that saturday morning show um but i wasn't really that generation so i know the more for saturday night takeaway i'm a celebrity all the ones that they yeah. still do to this day um but genuinely every time i see that scene it's just 
it's brilliant. And also, I don't think of it as Bill Nye taking the mick out of Anton Deck. I actually, you know, he embodies, Bill Nye embodies the character so well of like... He really does, yeah. of, of Billy Mac, just honestly, of that rock yeah. star. I don't give a damn about what I'm doing. I just like, I'm living in the moment. I'm so rock and roll. It's unbelievable. It hurts. I just love it. And, you know, the fact that you get some these squeaky clean and they're very young as well because it's 2003 that's come out as well so like ant and deck are very squeaky yeah. clean there uh, in their appearance so young and fresh face but like to see bill Nye rip the hell into them it's just it, it's so it's one of the many highlights of the film i mean oh what what's your what would you say your favorite uh, i know this pro- is probably very hard to ask but do you have a particular moment that stands out from the rest of them or not particularly um- I'd say there. I'd say there's a lot of small moments that, for different reasons, stand out uh, with me. So, as I said, when the friend kind of comes there and he's holding the cards and he he says, you know, um, to me, you are perfect. That that sort of moment, mm. not someone actually doing something with no specific agenda, just to kind of get it off his chest, was something I could relate to and I could feel. Wow, this is a really genuine moment. But then, you know, the moment when this mother decides that even if my husband's cheating on me, I'm going to stick it out for my kids. Mm. I, and, is, yeah. It, oh, I, I struggle to not tear up watching that. It's such a heartbreaking moment, honestly. And I think the soundtrack, I would say, is one of my favorite well, things of it because it's such a very mix. What I was going to say is despite all of that, the moment that comes to mind whenever I think of Love Actually is Hugh Grant dancing through number 10 Downing Street. Oh, and don't we wish that our, any of our prime ministers in the real world actually did that after like a big political victory with a big <laughs> heavyweight. Honestly, I genuinely, I mean, there's been so many jokes, obviously with like Theresa May uh, and like yeah. the ABBA dancing. Um, yeah. But genuinely, I feel that she, she out of all the prime ministers that we've seen, I know Hugh Grant's basically meant to be a version of Tony Blair, I suppose you would say. Yeah. But like, I would definitely think out of all the prime ministers, at least in my lifetime anyway, um, that I've seen, and I don't know about you, but I would definitely say Theresa May would be the sort of person that would be like, like slam dunk, I don't know, Donald Trump down and like have, <laughs> like instead of um, the Pointer Sisters, it would be ABBA, Dancing Queen. Well, <laughs> I think, I think I would pay to see Gordon Brown do that dance, you know, oh. uh, just just for the the visuals. But you know, it's it's just fun moments like that for me that break up this movie. So it's not you're not sitting down going, "I'm going to be sad." Like you watch "It's a Wonderful Life" or something else, which is a great movie by itself. Mm. Um, it definitely puts you in a very particular mood. Mm. Um, and you know, I watched Die Hard, and it puts me in a particular mood because. I want to yell yippee Um <laughs> But Love Actually, I think, covers that spectrum of, of it's funny, it's heartfelt, it's real, it's uh, it's got great music, it's a celebration. Mm, absolutely. And it gets the balance of, like, the soundtrack, as I come back to the soundtrack, because it's one of my personal highlights. I love the film in general. Uh, just to... I mean, Richard Curtis has always done good soundtracks so good. to stuff. So good. I mean, honestly, I can't really name a single one of his films that I don't like the soundtrack of. Because, and even if I only like like one one song from it, you that's the one for me that stands out. Love Actually, just by chance, yeah. happens to be the one that has a lot of good ones. So you have the Pointer Sisters for yeah. the number ten scene. Um, you've got the brilliant score as well. And I forget what the guy's name is, actually. I want to say it's Armstrong, something Armstrong. Might be Craig Armstrong. Might be getting that wrong. But Ben will probably correct me after this. <laughs> because he'd be like, it's the wrong composer. No, no, it's the right composer. Oh, that's good then. I, I've got a good memory. Um, but yeah, I expect you to know that because you love the film. But honestly... I do. And I mean, the film comes out, you know, about two months after I moved to England. Oh, okay. So it was kind of a, also part of my introduction to British culture as well, in that sense, beyond, you know, Mr. Bean and, and stuff. Um, and I think Richard Curtis is very much what a lot of the other world does associate with British culture yeah. from his movies and his sitcoms and things like that. So it was a nice in to stuff. But at the same time, it just has it's something that's grown on me in different ways. Like I remember the first time I watched it, there were characters or plot lines that I didn't quite like, which are now maybe my favorite ones. And there's something just so brilliant about the throwaway plot of Martin Freeman uh, being a stand-in for sex scenes. (laughs) 
<laughs> honestly i i cannot like literally it's funny you mentioned i can't remember what it was but you triggered that memory like you were met i think we were talking about our like all of the people that we have in our lives personally and the different storylines that we create and then we will intersect all i could think of when you said that because i was thinking of us as the film crew i i just can't help but think of martin freeman <laughs> as the sex scene stunt yeah. uh well sex scene double um with joanna Payne. i mean look, it's just you- priceless the only way that film would have been better is if Alan Rickman had played that role. <laughs> I'll imagine that. And, now, and you can't unsee oh, that. Everyone. No, I can't unsee that. And I'm not even looking at it. I'm just imagining it. Oh, oh, that is weird. That's so weird. I mean, and to think that actually, you think about it, obviously he's probably done, I think he might have done, no, he was doing Harry Potter in between, I think, actually. Um, but it would have, yeah. like, in that respect, Christmas-wise, you see him as he falls off a building in Die Hard, and then he become if he actually went along with the sex scene bit, if he was actually in that scene, imagine <laughs> that going, oh, I went from a dramatic fall in Die Hard to a sex scene double in Love Actually. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that's the thing. There's something for everyone in this, really, and, and you can enjoy it uh, as a family. Yeah, well. and it's funny you mentioned Mr. Bean, actually, because Mr. Bean is in it. Rowan Atkinson is in it in a very small capacity, but he's in a brilliant so that, role. That was that was meant to be a larger role, from my understanding. Oh, really? So the sort of backstory to it is that in the development of it, Mr. Bean's character was meant to be this angel that influenced each of the stories, sort of like the Christmas angel mm. kind of thing. Uh, and that kind of got paired back for whatever reasons as they developed yeah. it. So it, it ends up being a much smaller role uh, than you know you'd assume for someone of his uh, stature. Mm. But he still very much has that. He has a cheeky influence on the plot, and you're not sure how self-aware he is of that. <laughs> I mean, He's, yeah. yeah eccentric guy or is he doing it on purpose because there's a few times where he gives some cheeky winks to the camera mm, you know? i mean honestly I, to be honest actually i didn't know that on if i'm honest but the the way he's positioned on the poster i think you can kind of yeah. see that actually because of the fact that he's like if he's meant if he was meant to be some sort of angel above all the storylines as it were like he's he, the way yeah. he's on the poster and all the dvd covers he's just there in the corner like thinking like with a smug grin on his face thinking Yes, I shall oversee all this lovemaking that is about to commence. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, Liam Neeson. Oh, Liam Neeson. Honestly, I mean, the one film where he's not yelling down a phone saying, I, I mean, he does end up talking on the phone for several points, but he's not talking down the phone threatening someone that I will, I will find you <laughs> and I will kill you. It's, no, you know, it's, a, it's a very relaxed Liam Neeson performance. It's very sensitive yeah. and it's very... I think, to be honest, actually, for me, the over, like, the most, not overwhelming, sorry, the most, um, I don't know how you say it, like, emotional moment then, because Emma Thompson, I think, the top two moments, I would say, are the most emotional for me in Love, actually. There's the whole Emma Thompson storyline with Alan Rickman and him being a cheating little beggar. <laughs> and I just, you know, that really rips, that's the one that rips everyone's heart open um, in terms of a, a big emotional uh outpouring of sadness and like damn you alan rickman <laughs> even though like you're snape but damn you um but then the other moment that really gets me is is that other moment that uh, with liam neeson's storyline which hits you right from the beginning of the film it's quite a hard hitter to be honest if you ask yeah. me from the beginning of the film i i don't know like how did you feel about that being one of the opening scenes in the yeah. film because it's not just the opening of one storyline it's the opening almost the opening of the film up with the wedding of Kira Knightley. Yeah. And and obviously a lot of the characters intersect, but also then the, the funeral of his wife, you know. I think his storyline very much establishes that kind of, even that wedding, just establishes the tone of the film, you know, from the all you need is love Absolutely. moment at the beginning. It just sets up, this is going to be a film that you'll be crying one minute and you'll be laughing the next. <laughs> and I, yeah. And, and it's, very tough. That's to the off. probably the best way to sum it up, really. And I'm going to press you because, again, I said, "What's your favorite moment?" You've mentioned, obviously, like so many different moments. We've had the Emma Thompson storyline, um, and I love the use of Joni Mitchell. Actually, I think Joni Mitchell was the right choice for that yeah. part of the soundtrack. It purely is, and obviously, there's the bit that everybody loves: the Prime Minister, good old Hugh Grant dancing in Number Ten. 
uh, and that relationship going forward there. For me personally, actually, I, d- I love I love an underdog and I love um, Colin Frizzle. I love him. <laughs> Old um, uh, Chris Marshall. I, honestly, it's such a hilarious character. And, you know, it's so stereotypical in a way. But, you know, it's the most stereotypical of all the all the tropes that you could probably bring together. But I just, I love him. And it's the bit where he goes, oh, Americans, they love British accents. And I'm just like, yeah. But it's the way it's executed. It's so hilarious. And just, I don't know, even though it's a cliche, yeah. it seems very cliche today that, you know, someone would say that and be like, that's why I'm going to America to find myself a woman because only Americans will love me because nobody in Britain will. <laughs> but I, I think it's because of how he plays off with mm. his friend, you know, because you, you, the audience, all of you, you could either, if his friend wasn't there, he'd just kind of be a yeah. douchebag, right? But because his friend even acknowledges, you're an <laughs> idiot, you know, we know that even in his own world, He's an idiot, so he's just the funny friend. Absolutely, we've and also before we move on, I it took me so long. I, it's a shameably because obviously me getting older, I realise things a bit more in films. It took me so long to realise that the guy, the best friend of uh, Chris Marshall's character, Colin, is also the same character yeah. who is like the assistant director or director, whatever he is, member of the crew on the yeah. set of Martin Freeman and Joanna Page's sex scene. <laughs> It took me so long yeah. to realize. Yeah, yeah. And I'll leave. I'll leave you with this interesting fact: the film is partially inspired by Pulp Fiction. Oh, it's funny. With the interconnection, it's funny you mentioned that because, to be honest, I don't know why I didn't think of that. Really, even now, like that seems more of a bombshell to me now than it should be. But that's actually quite <laughs> a good comparison. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you've got uh, some Robert Altman kind of things in there, but very oh, much, yeah, absolutely. You see, Tarantino, he's everywhere. <laughs> I, I do want to see, I do want to see a Tarantino oh, Christmas movie. Forget any other sort of follow-up TV series to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Forget any of that. Make your final film, Tarantino, if you're listening to this, a Christmas film. Can, I even have the perfect Ooh, uh, title for it. What's him. the title? Four Weddings and a Funeral. <sighs> as a Tarantino movie to remove the plot line, just that title on a Tarantino movie tells you something. So good. I mean, Quentin Tarantino's four weddings and a funeral, I feel has a good ring to it. Exactly. It has a brilliant ring to it. Um, before we continue, uh, obviously I said, we've got some messages from various people. Um, this is someone that, that, uh, I mean, I've mentioned him a couple of times. Gov doesn't know, but he's a good friend of mine. And this is, well, he introduces himself. So I'm just going to let let him take it away. Here's the next message from one of our guests on Take 97. Hey, you're listening to Take 97. I'm Jason Farries, and I am wishing you a Merry Christmas. That's right. That was Jason Farries t- wishing you a, a Merry Christmas uh, in the best voice that he possibly could. Oh, bless, bless him. He literally, <laughs> I said to him, oh, send me a quick, quick Christmas message. He's such a pro. He sent me about like five different versions of that. And I was like, that one sounds like a radio show commercial. I'm like, I'm going to take that one. <laughs> you know what? I've, I've never met the guy. I've heard him on your show. But I think we've got, again, a lot of people in common and everyone's yeah he's, not, he's that, a yeah. true true legend so jason if you're listening merry christmas and hope you have a good one and with that in mind moving on to the next pick of our christmas fantastic little shindig that we've got going on down here um it's my time my, my turn to have a pick for the uh, podcast um and i like Aww. how you sounded so affectionate just there like oh bless him he's got a pick <laughs> mine's better though <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, oh no, I was saying I, I was mimicking you. I was saying I was thinking you probably thought yours was better. I mean, <laughs> I love it. I will always say that this one's like a really good one, but we'll see how this goes down. Um, so my favorite, <laughs> I it's kind of a bit of a bit of a weird one because I and I will say it now. So it's a comedy. It's John Hughes. Uh, it's from the 1990s. It'll give you a few little clues. Get you guessing a little bit. You can probably get it already. Uh, and if you've ever wanted to order a pizza during Christmas time or December at all and have this film on, um, you will know exactly which one I'm on about. It stars a very cool kid 
uh, <laughs> a very hilarious little guy uh, by the name of Macaulay Culkin, and that is the Home Alone films. And when I say this, I mean Home Alone 1, and also I'm going to squeeze in Home Alone 2. Um, and I'll explain a little bit more about that in a second. But yeah, honestly, I I grew up with these films. So I got I remember having them on VHS before I got the DVD box set that I currently own to this day. And I just, I, there's such comfort. Like, so you mentioned the coziness earlier in the beginning of this podcast. They are really... I mean, can, yeah, I, can, I, can I stop you there, David? Home Alone is not comfort. Home Alone is psychopathy <laughs> in a box. I mean... <laughs> I want to see you justify the coziness here because Home Alone is a psychopathic little child torturing two other people in ways that, if they were done for real, would have him in jail for the rest of his life. So, so please explain I mean, the coziness. I feel it's just because of my personal familiarity with the, with the text myself, but um, no, and also the the moral sort of like way john williams's music soothes in at the beginning and the end of the film i just i think that's the cozy bit but yes you are right he is very psychopathic in the middle of it because he basically essentially does so many things to these i say poor men they are criminals but they're lovable rogues um they get knocked to pieces back and forth and to be honest by the end of the first film as you say they should be dead and he should be in jail um <laughs> but because it's macaulay culkin and he's a little cute little bundle of joy it's fine doesn't matter I mean, I, I think the criminal thing is he just let Donald Trump get away with it, but everyone oh, else he yeah, was Absolutely. And D Donald Trump aided and abetted. This was the beginning of the end for everything. He aided and abetted um, <laughs> Kevin's actions in the second film. Uh, I just, I, it's really yeah. funny, actually, to, to mention that, actually, the fact that Donald Trump guest stars in a brief cameo in Home Alone 2. It <laughs> sounds really weird to say it now. Because you think, oh, the president of the United States, the forty-fifth yeah. president of the United States, was in a <laughs> in a comedy by John Hughes, and it's true. But on the on the other hand, at the time, I mean, I what what year did Home Alone came out? Home Alone came out when I was two years old, so I I have no context here. But I imagine it must have been strange for people seeing Joe yeah, Pesci. Yeah, I mean, I've film. watched. I, I highly recommend actually, guys. So anyone listening who if you love Home Alone and you've watched it already and you really, like me, really love it or love just the first two because we're not going to talk about three and four and that dreadful fifth one, which I've heard about, which is terrible. And no, they didn't happen. They don't exist. I mean, third one just about exists because it's kind of all right. But one and two are the original. Um, but yeah, if you guys are really into Home Alone and also, Gov, if you've, I don't know if you've seen this, but on Netflix, there's a series called The Movies That Made Us, a documentary series. And there's an episode that yeah, does... Yeah everything about it. it talks about the making of home alone and honestly some of the things yeah. i am absolutely gobsmacked at some of the things that come out of that production and the fact it nearly didn't happen oh but it, it's it's a movie that shouldn't for all intents and purposes have existed but it's brilliant and heartfelt and mm. funny and charming and psych you know psychotic all in one but it's it's a film with john candy uh, and Catherine o'hara you know and joe pesci um ha it's just a motley crew of people who i would not expect no to exactly i mean literally well. you think john hughes film it's got kids in it that's fine don't worry about that that's normal that's cool yeah they're a bit younger than teenagers but you know but then you add the raw talent of all those great names that you just mentioned you just oh, it's exceptional yeah and i think I think we're missing a key, the key component. Oh, here of Chris, Chris Columbus. Columbus. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I mean, yeah, sorry. It, it's in film. his early career, um, early stages of his career. Cause he had done some, as I've learned from watching the documentary on Netflix, um, he had a few other films. Uh, he'd done some work. I think he did one other John Hughes production, I think, if I remember rightly. Yeah, so he'd, he'd worked on some stuff with him and, and obviously he was a writer on things yeah. like Gremlins and Goonies and stuff. Um, but I mean, I, I, I challenge you to find someone that saw adventures in babysitting or heartbreak hotel the two films he directed before home alone uh but he goes from home alone on this great run of obviously home alone 2 mrs doubtfire bicentennial man yeah. the first two harry potters you know um yeah great great director also another uh, just a quick it's not a christmas movie although it does have a christmas scene in it and a song that's uh with a character that dances in like a Santa kind of outfit. Um, the film Rent, I love that. That's a mus musical film. Oh, honestly, that's one of yeah, my favourites, yeah. actually. If I wanted to watch that at Christmas. Yeah, another, another Chris Columbus. Chris honestly, Columbus, I, yeah. if I want to stick a film on that's even got a tiny bit of Christmas in it, like because it's got a New Year's 
Eve uh, New Year's Day sequence where they go do the countdown in New York City. I love because I love New York, as yeah. you know, because you're good friends with me now enough to know that I love anything with New York City in it. And it has come up a couple of it's times. Um, but yeah, I love uh, love Rent because of the setting and also because it's a musical. It's great. But yeah, Home Alone 2 is in New York City. So what more could I ask for in a Christmas film? That's a question I've been wanting to ask you. Which oh, is what? the better movie? Home Alone 1 or Home Alone 2? It's two questions, isn't it? What's a better which one is the better movie and which one Ooh. do you prefer? You see I love the original so much cuz it's where all the original gags come from, but I think I I think I prefer number 2 because it has so many different factors in it that I just have grown to love over the years. So I love the I love the ambivalence of yeah. the unnamed the pigeon lady um who takes care of Kevin. I love I I I love uh the not so much the like the incidents the little booby traps that Kevin um sets in the second one. I actually think the ones in the first one are better than the second one. Oh yeah, the the psychopath gets more <laughs> Exactly. Um but no, I think I prefer number 2 because and because it's in New York City as well and it's got some cool lovely it's got some really nice imagery actually in terms of the cinematography i actually think that the shots of kevin looking at the christmas tree um in uh, the rockefeller center is a beautifully shot piece of cinema even though it's a small little john hughes film i mean i say that it's the next stage up from the first one but like yeah i would say probably the better film in terms of the overall would be the original um, because then the gags are copied, yeah. uh, various gags are copied into the second one, but because it's pure nostalgia and I love New York, I think number two is my overall favorite, I would say. And it's just so magical. Like the turtle dove story, no. like the two turtle doves with that Kevin gets given by the, um, Duncan's I'll, toy chest owner, Mr. Duncan, it's such a heartwarming moment. I'll be honest, you know, most people I've talked to mm, do prefer the yeah. second no, one. No, it's strange one. really, isn't it? And, and, and just want to stress here, guys. It's not because Donald Trump's in it. That is not a reason to like Home Alone 2. It's funny, but it's not the reason to like it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's an odd kind of thing because that I don't remember a time before I watched the Home Alone movies. So I don't have that memory of the first time I watched them. I only remember... Yeah, no, I've exactly. And also... Them. Yeah, sorry. So I... I'm pretty sure I watched the second That's one That's kind first. of believable, to be honest, because I think, and also, I think it's because it's got the bigger, it had the bigger budget, that, as I said, it's probably the reason why some people resonate with the second one more, because whilst the first one shows the ingenious of all, like, the well, of the psychoticness of it all, as you say, um, with Kevin and his original booby traps, and, you know, he's at home, and he's actually at home alone. Whereas the second one takes it to the next level. They go to New York City. They shoot on location. Some brilliant shots there. Like, literally, I've been on a trip to New York um, in the past few years. And honestly, out of all the film locations, like, oh, um, fame was shot here and other things were shot here. You know, um, New York, New York, when Harry met Sally. Oh, that's a Seattle one. But, yeah, all the different ones. Yeah. Um, I remember New York a lot for Home Alone, uh, Home Alone 2 the most because you see it through that kid's eyes as well and the scope mm. and the the, the yeah. wonder of it you know love so i love the new york city setting um i love the sentiment with the children's hospital and like kevin trying to battle the the wet bandits of their little conquest to try and get money out of the children's hospital fund i love that heartwarming stuff but then the comedy overall is great but specifically yeah. tim curry ah oh, it's just amazing the concierge. the concierge. He's actually. I looked this up actually because I wanted to double check whether he was just called the concierge, whether he actually had a name. I've actually forgotten what the name was, but he actually has a name. But he's actually only credited as being yeah Hector. That's it. He's actually Hector. called just the concierge in the credits, and um like that's enough. And I also love I love yeah. the cinematic language of it all, where they link up the um the way that Tim Curry looks, and he gives that really creepy look, and then it transforms. We sort of fade into the Grinch. And it just, it really blows me away. It's a real simple yeah. thing, but it really resonates with me. It's an image that sticks with me to this day. Have you ever seen Tim Curry in anything that wasn't creepy, though? I mean, yeah, plenty of things, to be honest. Like, <laughs> there's a three-hour-long It, there's uh, all of them, really. Clue, Rocky Horror, that's a big one. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I mean, for me personally, I know him best from there's a Disney version of The Three Musketeers where he plays Cardinal Richelieu. And that was brilliant for me. That was a, a bunch of stars. I think Charlie Sheen's in it, uh, Kiefer Sutherland and a few others. And I know him from that. But even then, as you know, a member of the clergy, he is creepy. <laughs> Extremely creepy. Tim Curry is like, as a guest star in the film, he like literally... Like oh, the yeah. world is still like revolved around Kevin and the wet and Joe Pesci and um, Daniel Stern as the three central characters. And obviously you've got Catherine O'Hara as your like support um, actress, supporting actress as like the worried yeah. parent, uh, which causes more comedy. But, like, I think that's the, also the reason why I think Hope Alone 2 resonates so much with people is because I, because Tim Curry, like it, the next level, you get bigger locations, bigger gags, bigger guest stars i think the concierge also gives mm -hmm. kevin someone to play off a little bit and and have a different kind of fun with because in the first one he doesn't really have that does he harry yeah. and Marv are obviously you know antagonists so there's nobody that he has kind of non-psychotic fun with um and you've also mm -hmm. lost yeah exactly uh, john candy and between I, I was in the movies that made us documentary actually we talk about john candy I I can so totally believe that all of John Candy's stuff was not scripted because uh, apparently it wasn't. It was all improvised on the day. Like they had scripted stuff stuff yeah. in there. Like John Candy appears, but like he, the final finished thing that is in the finished film, that is all pure John Candy, and it's quite sad, really, actually looking back at that. That was one of the yeah. last few like films that he starred in. Um, I think it was, I think Cool Runnings, I think, came afterwards. Like, yeah, but I think that was one of the final Running, yeah. few performances by John Candy. And I think what a film to go out on, really, if you ask me. And I, I don't know if it was in, in any way intentional, but obviously the fact his role in that first one for me was so brilliant because I remember him as the guy. Oh, from absolutely. I, I just, there's so many. And I'll, uh, for me, he'll <laughs> always be the, um, the radio host on um, The Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, <laughs> which I, I it always sticks. Obviously, Home yeah. Alone, I would say, and Little Shop of Horrors are my two big John Candy moments. I would say, and you know, if you can't have a bit of Christmas fun yeah. by watching John Candy having a ball in a film, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> but yeah, and also a quick note before we move on. Um, the other thing I love because I love a bit of film noir, classic and new stuff. But I love in Home Alone, both one and two, no matter how much the second one is a ripoff of the first, I love the noir film that Kevin watches on the TV and fools the pizza guy and fools the concierge and the hotel yeah. staff with. It's it's brilliant. And the fact that it's all made up for the film as well, the fact it's not a real film, I genuinely Googled it to see if it was a real film. And it, I'm so sad it's not a real film. Yeah. Because <laughs> I want to see it. Yeah, I think I yeah, was, an I adult was too. When I figured Literally, out that probably. That I want to say maybe, yeah. maybe two years ago, I was like, "Oh, is that real?" I want to see if that's. I want to buy that film. I want to get the sequel, and then I was really disappointed and really disheartened when I discovered. Did you ever find out what the title of the film was? Yes, it was "Angels with Filthy Souls," and then the second one was "Angels with Even Filthier Souls." Uh, fun little fact, though, I did actually do a little bit i googled it to find out whether it was real and stuff uh like i said and honestly i that i found out that actually it is based on a film that already exists uh it's called angels with dirty faces uh from the year 1938 and it's actually uh it's a parody of that and apparently there's a few other parody versions but that one is particularly the most prevalent of the load um but i was so sad that angels with filthy souls was not the real one <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just sad that Angels with Even Filthier Souls isn't the real one. <laughs> to be fair, that is the best one, I would argue. <laughs> you do know if that film was made in, if Home Alone was made in 2020, they would make Angels with Even Filthier Souls and release oh, it on a streaming service as a Guys piece. out there in the, in the universe of film, what are you doing with yourself? Make that film. Make both those make films. <laughs> oh, honestly. Um, right, so. <laughs> We're going back to another message from one of our guests now. Um, you know him. I know him. He's got the most chillest voice on the podcast, I would say, next to Jason, I would say. He's got a slight smooth talking voice. Uh, he doesn't actually say his name at the beginning of this, um, so I'll introduce him for you guys. His name is Pete Turner. 
Merry Christmas, everybody. Keep listening to the Take 97 podcast. Hope you all have a very, very, very nice Christmas. Enjoy. Ah, oh, listen to that. Such smooth, dulcet tones. Uh, just, I, I mean, what do you have to say about Pete? Because he, he was not long on the podcast talking about Blair Witch and the best conversation that I've had about one <laughs> film on its own. It's just, it was a mental conversation, but it was brilliant. I, I love Pete. We're, we're colleagues. We work together. We teach together. His office is next door to mine, and um, he has the cutest child. In oh, the world, yeah, so, honestly. Yeah, it was really funny because actually, we were a little behind the scenes thing for you guys. We were recording his episode, and he was like, before we start, I, if my baby cries, can I? Can we? Can we stop? And can I go and tend to it? I'm like, it's, it's fine, Pete. It's fine. No, no worries at all. <laughs> Bless him. He's such a lovely guy, and the fact he loves Blair Witch, it's such a contrast because he's such a smooth, like easygoing guy, and he loves a found this crazy, mad found footage horror film that is Blair Witch Project, and he's dedicated his life to it. <laughs> yeah. And I've read, I don't know if you've read his, his book on the subject, but... Oh, no, no, I have. To be honest, when I discovered, like, he said, because he may have, may have mentioned it, uh, (laughs) I did, I did take a little peek and I was like, oh, this is mental, but it shows the passion in him. And, you know, such a great guy. If you guys haven't checked that episode out yet, please check it out now. (laughs) But moving back to our Christmas episode, this is Take 97. If you've just tuned in randomly halfway through and scrubbed across, this is the Take 97 Christmas episode with me david ingram and me gov that just that makes me sound like my name is yeah your name's me now oh no imagine if you changed your name by default that'd be weird yeah it'd be very strange um so yeah now we've reached um uh we've reached the moment in the podcast where we get to talk about our favorite christmas films should we say uh the aunt uh love actually or the home alone films i just I've got a couple of recommendations here. I, I think I'll let you start this one because I started the last bit of the podcast. But, you know, what what sort of films would you say, quick fire films would you say to people that you'd recommend that you watch over this festive period up until the big day itself or even on the big day? I think It's a Wonderful Life is always, you know, one that comes up for me. Um, but I don't want to step on your toes with, with suggestions, David, but The Muppets Christmas Carol. Ah, oh, no, you see, that's that's not in the list, actually. That's not in my list. Oh, I mean, I don't know if I'm relieved or disappointed that you don't have it on the list, but A Muppet's Christmas Carol is, you know, for me, that's that's what that's Christmas. I do prefer Love Actually, personally, but Muppet's mm. Christmas Carol just has such a Christmassy feel, and um, it's just fun. It's It's a story you already know, so you're not going in for the plot twists or any of that oh, no, absolutely you're, you're going i mean back in to your main fun. point of i don't know whether i should be worried or happy or concerned no i did consider um uh, a muppet's christmas carol but quite frankly i i was expecting you to hopefully say it because i know you have a history with puppetry of as of recent days <laughs> so I, I thought you'd come up with it and i'm glad that you yeah. did because otherwise i would have had to mention it at the end so have you considered a- animated christmas films no, not then. Well, actually, it's funny you should say that because one of my picks on my list is actually the uh, 2004 classic animation film, in my opinion. Uh, it's a bit creepy. Uh, it's probably not what you might be thinking of because when I say creepy, you might be thinking A Nightmare Before Christmas, but it's not that one. That's a good film, though. But the one I'm thinking of is the 2004 holiday classic that is The Polar Express. And I, I just love it. And it's got Tom Hanks, who voices all, like pretty much half the characters in it, including himself at one point like as the little boy, which I find very weird. Um, but it's just a brilliant film. And it uses, I think, is it motion capture or like performance capture? I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Performance capture. That's honestly, it's such a, it's a really creepy looking, like the way all the humans look, because it's not realistic, but at the same time, it's kind of real but it's you know it's animation it's just a very strange film but i i love it to pieces it's truly i remember watching it when i was younger in primary school and our teachers at the back of the classroom would be like oh you need to do is just believe and i'm like thanks for the running commentary i think i can work out for myself there um but it's such a brilliant film and i i don't know have you ever seen it before yeah i think i saw it at an age where it was you know, it wasn't cool to like that kind of stuff. I must have been about 16 or so. So the magic was a bit lost on me. And I I think there's this thing called the uncanny valley, isn't it? Where sometimes 
animation is too real, but then the eyes aren't real, so it looks a bit hollow. And I, I don't know, I never gelled with it, but it's something I haven't watched since then, and I know I need to give another chance to, and so on your recommendation, I will. Excellent. Well, we know what you'll be watching this Christmas. <laughs> um, but honestly, uh, there's so many different films. One that I wonder whether you've got on your list is one that I've meant uh, that I'm going to mention now is the Arnold Schwarzenegger classic that is from 1996, uh-huh. Jingle All the Way. Yes, that's definitely on my list. I mean, ha- what is not to love about that movie? I mean, there's so much. I mean, there's particularly one one scene where he's like um uh, i'll give you context guys so for this he goes into like he's in a phone booth he's out hunting for the toy in the main plot and then he uh rings up his wife to confirm everything's all all right and the neighbor who literally is infatuated with uh with his wife uh answers the phone and he's baking cookies which is a tradition in arnold schwarzenegger's character's household and it's like I don't even know what's going on. And he's like, why are you there? And the bit that I'm going to do a little bit of a rendition of for you now is, um, put the cookie down. <laughs> Those are my cookies. Oh, it's great. And I think it's one of those films that every year around November time, I start seeing the memes coming back into fashion because Christmas and Arnie, you wouldn't think they go together, but it's, it's beautiful absolutely beautiful combination uh, you know you wouldn't expect to get anything else from it but it's truly a beautiful film in the sense that you know it gets the weird wackiness from home alone but at the same time it's very it's very unique in its own like weird niche way with arnold schwarzenegger's attached <laughs> it's not quite it's not the same as home alone by any means but it's up there in the pantheon of my christmas film list that like i saw as a child and i will always watch again and again every single year like i have to watch home alone and home alone 2 and jingle all the way they have to be watched every christmas like it doesn't matter if there's like something else on like no i have to watch them i'm sensing it I'm sensing a destructive pattern in your Christmas. No, not really. David. Is there something you want to get off your chest? <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's just, I, again, it's just funny. I, I must just be a Christmas comedy fan because it's the way they're going. Although saying that, I do have some recommendations for some less destructive uh, Chris, Christmas films. Uh, but yeah, so like I say, I love Jingle All the Let's Way. So, if... What do you think of the film Elf? If I'm honest, I'm not really. I I can understand why some people like it, but on the other hand, I don't. I'm not really behind it. I don't get the hype behind it at all. Really, it's I. You know, it's got some slapstick humor in there. Physical comedy from Will Ferrell. I love Will Ferrell, but like, like from Anchorman. But I really, honestly, I personally don't. What, what do you reckon of it? It. I want to like it because I do love everything the director does. It's directed by uh, the infamous John Favreau. And if if you watch the rest of his work, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I, I've loved him from the time I saw him in Friends and he wanted to become the ultimate fighting champion. Uh, so I wanted to love it, but there's something about it that doesn't quite gel. And I think it's because that awkward humor that Will Ferrell does doesn't quite gel with my view on the spirit of Christmas. So I, I kind of get a very different vibe from it and it doesn't quite fit for me. No, I couldn't agree more, to be honest. And it's just, I mean, when you said, because I'd actually forgotten who had actually, like, directed the film, I'd forgotten it was John Favreau. And honestly, like, you think the guy who did Iron Man who's Happy Hogan did Elf? <laughs> like, really? That's a bit mad. But honestly, I mean, I wouldn't not recommend it to people because I think everyone's going to watch it at some point or another or is going to. Um, but it's not one of my top picks. I'd say stick to Love Actually, Jingle All The Way, all those ones. Um, is there any others that you might have a particular recommendation like for people to watch this Christmas or that you like to watch every year? Um, I'd say it's really going to come down to what, you know, what nostalgically you remember from Christmas. I think we rarely are adding new films to our list. One I did add recently was the animated film uh, Rise of the Guardians. Oh, okay. No, I haven't heard of that one, actually, funnily enough. Well, I have, but I've only seen the trailers and such, so I might have to check that one out. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so it's a great film because it's it's a different take on it. It's heartfelt. It's about Jack Frost who can't see 
any anyone else. So he's kind of isolated. Uh, but it's got all sorts of imaginary characters, you know, Santa Claus, Easter Bunny. Santa Claus is a tattered up Russian played by Alec Baldwin. Uh, the Easter Bunny is Hugh Jackman. So you end up with this really eclectic cast of personalities with Jude Law as a villain. And it, it's an absolute beautifully heartfelt film. And I wasn't expecting to love it. I ended up on a plane and it was kind of the only thing to watch. And uh, it was it was amazing. Yeah, it actually blew me away. And I think it's the most recent Christmas film that kind of spoke to me as an adult. Mm, excellent. Um, I would say, yeah, I'll definitely have to check that one out. But the films that have really stuck with me in particular since my childhood uh, anyway, obviously there's loads of ones that I've come to know, like Home Alone and stuff and Jingle All The Way. But this particularly, I love the santa claus trilogy santa claus with an e for those of you who are a bit particular about your spelling uh but the santa claus uh with tim allen who's obviously the famous voice of buzz lightyear from toy story so we've talked about tom hanks and we've talked about uh him in the polar express and now we've got tim allen and honestly i just it's a brilliant uh brilliant film and a set of films really i know some people don't like the third one but I really love uh, the original. It will always be the best one in my heart. And the escapades of Scott Calvin are just hilarious to watch. I think, I think it's a great, great trilogy of films and it's very family friendly, you know, Tim Allen in terms of his films and TV shows usually quite generally is, but it's also just, again, he becomes not what you'd expect Santa to look like, but by the end of the film, you're like, I couldn't picture it any other way. Yeah, it's funny you mention that, actually, because there's a Netflix film, actually. Um, well, there's two of them now. One of them's out already. One just came out this year, uh, and it's called The Christmas Chronicles, uh, or The Christmas Chronicles 2, depending on which ones you're watching, uh, which features Kurt Russell as Santa. And whilst Kurt Russell looks like he is Santa, he looks really good in his Santa costume. can't see past it. It has to be Tim Allen. He is the definition of santa in my opinion like like you say i can't couldn't agree more and on it there is i'm going to challenge you on that there is one other oh who would you say miracle on 34th street starring as santa claus richard attenborough you see i can see that but i don't know i feel that the beard game in tim allen's one is even better. Like I do feel that the that the Richard Attenborough does oh, well, but... but he does have a very good, like he's got a nice shorter, more normal. I blend into the background kind of Santa look. Whereas I think Tim Allen is yeah. like fully on, all out there. I agree, but I, I'm just going to say, you know, Attenborough doesn't need to fake his beard game here. So. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll agree to disagree on that one. But if you guys have your favorite Santa, <laughs> please let us know in the comments on our social media posts. By all means. Speaking of Santa, by the way, just a quick little shout out. I am currently wearing a Santa hat as we're recording this. So, you know, for all you Christmas fans out there who can't see what we're doing, there's a bit of fun for you right there. <laughs> just as long as you don't tell us what Christmas underwear you've got on, David, we'll be okay. <laughs> oh, that's. I, I was nearly going to say, and I'm wearing a Christmas thong. <laughs> I'm. I'm, I'm going to challenge you something. We, we, we won't have an answer today, possibly, but Ooh, is there a Christmas it's noir? It's a good question, and I must admit, even though I love film yeah. noir, it's not something I know of, but I would love there to be a Christmas noir. <laughs> Can you imagine? Mm. You know, especially those old black and white aesthetic and the heart shadows and everything and snowing. Yeah. And it just I mean, seems arguably, like it I would say it's a wonderful well life. It's not and... a film noir by any means, but um, I think there are moments there are moments in It's Wonderful Life that have oh, noirish yeah. elements, especially the dark moments before he relives, like watches his life back and such. Yeah. It's a Wonderful Life. It is a life story. And it's very sad. And, you know, the tipping point for yeah, poor old George, um, played by Jimmy Stewart, it's just, I don't know. If you want to watch that at Christmas, fine, be my guest. But I'd watch something. But then again, this is coming from the guy who likes to watch a psychotic kid beat up two strangers. <laughs> well, look, I, I was going to say for all your listeners and everyone, I think what we can take away from today is if we all chip in two pounds a month, we can get David some help. We can send him to therapy and oh, work out clearly. these angry um, Christmas-related issues to say that he that. has. Um, other than I think we'll move on to <laughs> another one of our 
lovely, lovely messages. Uh, I'll keep this brief. This is uh, our friend Ben Doherty uh, saying Merry Christmas in the only way he knows how. Hi, this is Ben here. Um, I just want to wish you guys all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. At Christmas time, I like to watch a good horror film, actually, so I thought I'd recommend a horror film with cultural um, festivities in the call to the plot, and uh, so I recommend uh, watching Midsummer if you're looking for an alternative film. Thanks, guys. Have a great Christmas. Oh, ben. Honestly. <laughs> I, I, I mean... It doesn't surprise me that he's recommended to you guys to watch Midsummer as a film over Christmas because it's the kind of guy he is. But what a guy suggesting a horror film. I mean, what do you reckon to Ben's typical behavior? Well, this this is a man who once we played the soundtrack for Psycho, one of the most infamous horror soundtracks, and he described it as romantic. Now, it's anything but romantic. So, you know, ladies, if you are looking to date a serial killer, Benjamin Doherty is free this Christmas. <laughs> and you see, the thing is, I did tell Ben, I said, you know, it might come up that you are a serial killer and, and I'm going to plug you. I'm going to I'm going to do you a favor and I'm going to say, ladies, if you're single, the man is single and he's a serial killer. And his response was, well... Any publicity, right? I mean, to be honest, yeah, he loves a bit of publicity when it's like, just like anything to get attention, old Ben. You know, before we finish the episode, I'd just like to suggest a couple of films for you. I've noticed there's uh, on Netflix, there's a film called Jingle Jangle featuring Forrest Whitaker, Hugh Bonneville. Brilliant performances throughout in some different uh, actors there, young actors as well. Uh, it looks brilliant. Uh, it's musical. It's right up my street, and it's brilliant in terms of its visuals. The trailer looks amazing. I highly encourage you to check that out. Like I said, there's The Christmas Chronicles 2 on Netflix as well. And again, also on the same streaming services, there is Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square featuring Christine Baranski, which again is another musical. There's a lot of holiday musicals on Netflix at the moment. And then there's the rom-com The Holiday with Emma Roberts in it, uh, which should be quite interesting. But we'll see how that turns out. I will now pass you on to a couple of our other guests who now have some special messages for you guys, the listeners at home. I'll introduce the first one. Her name is Emily Marvin, uh, and he, she was on the podcast recently. And then on top of that, we've got the rest of our guests as well. Here you go, guys. Merry Christmas and have a happy new year. Hello all, it's Simon Padley here. I hope you are all doing okay during this tricky time of 2020. However, I am going to bid you all a very Merry Christmas and venturing into a Happy New Year. All right, cheers. Hello, Emily Stanley here from episode 10. I'd just like to wish all of the Take 97 listeners a very Merry Christmas. Oh, I feel so Christmassy now. I've heard all of all of our guests wish us Merry Christmas now. So that's really nice uh, here on Take 97, a film podcast. Um, so the only thing that's really left to say, really, and ask is um, what are you going to be doing for Christmas Day, Gov? Well, on Christmas Eve, I get in my sled, I don my red suit and I give uh, presents to all the kids. But on Christmas Day itself, <laughs> sorry, I think Tim Allen stole that crown from me, didn't he? On Christmas Day itself, I'll actually be spending it with our, our friend John, who was a guest on this podcast. So, yeah, we'll be uh, spending Christmas Day together having some time. Oh, excellent. Honestly, I just, uh, I, I love John. He's such a, like, we mentioned him at the beginning of the podcast. And obviously, guys, if you haven't checked his episode out yet check it out now but it's he's such a lovely guy and what a guy to spend christmas christmas with he's just oh such a legend yeah. i mean i want to add if you are checking his out check out mine first because we do have a competition here and, and i can't let him win but i'm secretly going to be playing my podcast in the back of the christmas while we're having dinner so. <laughs> okay so you're going to be having christmas dinner with john and you're going to be playing each other's podcasts against each other oh that's oh that's gonna be so funny i wish i was there i really wish i was there to witness this hilarity <laughs> the take 97 battle royale oh my god uh i think we should make an audio cast of that like like an audio drama that'd be really fun we'll do that you versus john with a little bit of um ben in the middle I, I... to score the whole thing 
As long as I get 50% of the merchandising rights, we're fine. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Uh, well, thank you for coming on, Gov. It's been brilliant to have you on and talk to you. And, you know, it's such a great uh, time talking about anything film with you because we just have a laugh, really. We just we could talk for hours and hours. We have, in fact. It's a pleasure. I would like to wish all the listeners a wonderful time. Uh, obviously, it's not going to be the same as it usually is every single year. It's going to be a bit different. Um, but I wish everyone from the bottom of my own heart a Merry Christmas and I hope you have a Happy New Year and here's to a better future and a better Christmas next year than this one but hopefully we'll make the most of it and we hope that our little chitter chatter for this past hour or so has kept you going and kept you being your spirits very merry and uplifted throughout the entire thing. Would you like to say anything to the listeners, Gov? Yeah, I think to the listeners and actually from from the guests and from all of us really david to you i hope you have a, a merry christmas with your family and it's been fantastic going through this experience with you so thank you very oh, much thank you very much well that is it on the christmas special of take 97 a film podcast um there will be a new year's eve uh, new year's edition so wrapping up the year of film it's been a bit of a weird one admittedly but there will be one to wrap up what we've experienced and also not experienced so far that'll be going out closer to the time of new year but for now there'll be a bit of a break until i see you next time guys and there's not much else left to say really um other than wishing you all a merry christmas and have a safe one and have a fun one at the same time we hope that everything here has uplifted you a little bit more and yeah from me and gov that's merry christmas from take 97 the film podcast and i'll see you at the new year show and uh goodbye and now to play you out David's own rendition of Billy Mac's Christmas is All Around Us. Christmas is all around me And so the feeling grows Yeah Don't quit the day uh, job, David. Oh, well. Thanks, guys. See you later. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>